It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. Rich Lowry is here, editor of National Review at the bottom of the hour, the case for nationalism. He's got a great column out about what's going on with crime and lack of punishment in America. Uh, and, of course, I'll take your calls. Uh, this is a the day before Thanksgiving. Appreciate you being here. But believe me, the news has not slowed down. We'll continue to update you, even though the president has left the building. He's on vacation. So let's go to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This November, from the people who brought you the most expensive 4th of July in history, the sequel is even worse. Turkey, rolls, apple pie, gas, Democrats' reckless spending has made everything cost more. That is an interesting NRCC ad. Thanksgiving is upon us. 20 million to fly, 40 million to drive, as we all hope to reclaim our traditions. But that has not stopped the so-called pandemic experts from offering advice like kids eat quickly, forgo the turkey, charge relatives for food, and rapid tests for all before you get in. Will any of these suggestions resonate with you and your family? Weigh in. Number two. So today I'm announcing that the largest ever release from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve to help provide the supply we need as we recover from this pandemic. The price of gasoline in the wholesale market has fallen by about 10% over the last few weeks. The gas supply companies are paying less and making a lot more. Yeah, that's the motivational words of President Biden. The Biden bunch finally realizing inflation and gas prices matter, and they finally address it. But what they said, what they claim, is not helpful or true. In fact, they did not. Uh, what they did was not impactful at all. If they want a path to success, follow the Mansion Road. Number one. I didn't know the bitch was sixteen at the time. She gave a statement to the police and told them, "Yeah, she was hoeing, that I was pimping, and and uh, that she was sixteen, and that I didn't know that." Okay. Yeah, there's Daryl Brooks Jr. explaining why he isn't a pedophile when I got a 15-year-old pregnant. Wakesha uh, Cornage. Another child dies, and the death toll is now up to eight as we learned about the killer Daryl Brooks, a career criminal, raging racist, domestic abuser, cop hater, and remorseless murderer. And the process and the prosecutor who allowed him to leave prison predicted all this death and destruction is part of a bigger left-wing generated problem. You want to know how bad this guy is? He was just ran over his the mother of his child, literally ran over. She had tire tracks on her jeans, knocked her to the ground, probably beat her up more times than it's been archived. But here is Daryl Brooks. First, before I go to you and what you know what these prosecutors didn't do, I want you to hear Daryl Brooks in his own words. This is video that he posted a while ago on how in Nevada, when he was accused of being a pedophile, that's a sex offender. He was not really a sex offender. Here's his explanation, cut nine. All of a sudden, now I'm a pedophile. Let me explain that. Ten years ago, 2006, I caught a case with my oldest daughter's mama. Yes, my baby mama. I didn't know the bitch was 16 at the time. She gave a statement to the police and told them, yeah, she was hoeing, that I was pimping, and, and uh, that she was 16, and that I didn't know that. Okay? 
Now you feel better? Uh, that's what we're dealing with. So this multiple offender was allowed out on $500 bail. And what he did is exactly what got him in trouble the last time. Run over people at a parade in the afternoon. Now, nobody's covering this story. I have no idea why other networks aren't covering this story. You cannot relate to average everyday Americans in Wisconsin going to a holiday parade and instead of enjoying themselves getting run over by an SUV. And then this guy is such a remorseless criminal. He goes into a house and says, I'm waiting for an Uber. I'm homeless. And he gets a yes, the guy for food, and he gets a sandwich. Then the cops zero in on him, and the guy realizes what he's doing. This guy should not be out, but it's a new trend in this country to let criminals rule the streets. John Yu, former Deputy Assistant Attorney General, cut one. This was a terrible mistake, setting bail for $1,000 for someone who had just been arrested for attacking the mother of his child, trying to run over her with a car. But it's not just a one-off incident. That statement and this DA's general policies are an attack on bail. He has said so repeatedly that he would like to reform and change bail. This was not a mistake. This was just the policies of his office. He was the first of a group of so-called progressive prosecutors throughout the country who I think are in part responsible for the rise in murders and crime rates we're seeing in all of our major cities. In fact, he claims this. And the Milwaukee County District Attorney, this guy's name is John Chisholm. In 2007, he said this because he wanted to rid prisons of people who were not violent offenders. He says, is there, is there going to be an individual? I divert, I guess, to an to a institution or a drug facility that I put into a treatment program who's going to go out and kill somebody? You bet. Guaranteed. It's guaranteed to happen. It does not invalidate the overall approach. Do you believe this? Can you believe somebody would make this statement as somebody who is a lawyer, period, let alone a prosecutor? So if you want to divert people and say, well, they could be a killer, what's the big deal? What is your family? So, I mean, to use that as an example is incredible, but he uses himself as a template. He said because he was able to be successful, he claims, others are following in his wake. He claims he is basically the godfather to these liberal policies and these extremists in uh, in San Francisco, in Philadelphia, in Boston, uh, and other cities around the country. He says that people are using his program. And guess what? America has never been less safe, ever been less safe. J.D. Vance was on with Laura Ingram last night and is trying to get his head around what we are doing in this country. Cut to. If you just look at what happened in Wisconsin, so you have this corrupt prosecutor going after Kyle Rittenhouse, I think bringing a case to trial that should have never been brought in the first place, so thank God he was acquitted. And yet at the same time, in the same state, you have a prosecutor letting a guy go on a $1,000 cash bail who then goes and kills five, I guess now six people in what is effectively a terrorist attack in Wisconsin. Like, you, you need people who you elect to do a job to actually do it. And so many of our public officials are so motivated by a certain ideology that they're unable even to, to carry out the public charge that the people gave them. Yeah, and, and by the way, here's this, this guy, uh, Chisholm, says, I've mentored people, Boston, Philadelphia, St. Louis, San Francisco. And I know we got a, a great affiliate 
KFTK in, in St. Louis, and you probably live this every day. Philadelphia, we know this. And if you're a cop, that means that the people you arrest are out before you could process them. So you don't arrest them at all, or you quit the job entirely. And that's fine with the Cory Bushes of the world, the, the progressive congresswoman. That is fine with AOC. She doesn't think we need any cops. That is fine for Rashida Tlaib, the Palestinian from Michigan, who on uh, in Axios and HBO thought it was a great idea and perfect timing to bring up her plan to empty all the prisons in 10 years. Cut three. Have you wrestled with any potential downsides of releasing into society every single person who's currently in a federal prison? Yeah, I, again, I think that everyone's like, oh my God, we're going to just release everybody. That's not That's what, what the Yeah, says. but did you see how many people are mentally ill that are in prison right now? No, I know, but the act that you so endorsed we're gonna keep, we're actually says release everyone but in, in 10, 10 years. But think about it, who are releasing? But there are like human traffickers, oh, I know. child sex. So, but I you're mean, saying, do you mean that you don't actually support that? No. Because you endorse the bill. No, I look at who's in prison now. No, look at the I folks that are mentally ill that I, have substance abuse but, problems. But Why aren't you asking me about them? You're asking me about the crimi- human no, traffickers and others that no, should I'm st- trying should to understand. No, no, no. To what I'm trying to understand is your, your proposal is so sweeping. It does, oh, oh, it does release yeah. everyone. And what I'm trying to say to you Within is... Within 10 years... But in your vision, there is still... Um, whatever proportion they are, a small proportion, who do need to be behind bars. Yeah, again, I would have to look at every case individually. This is devastating to the Democratic Party, but worst off, it's devastating to the country. Empty the prisons, keep the bails, zero cash or little cash, so the people that go in are getting right back out, and then our seats are less safe. At the same time, defame and defund the police across the country. The American people spoke up. They almost lost the House who weren't supposed to in 2020. We know what happened in the off-field election. I don't have to tell you. Even though the, the non-high-profile positions flipped to the Republicans. That is why Jen Psaki welcomed this question about defunding the police. The White House desperate to separate herself from the progressive left that Ron Klain, the chief of staff, is in control of. She welcomed Jen Psaki this question cut for. A couple days ago, President Biden was in Michigan, and he was thanking Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib for the passport into her district. Now she is supporting legislation that would release all federal prisoners within 10 years. Would the president ever support that? Let me be absolutely clear. Uh, The president does not support abolishing prisons. Uh, He does not support defunding the police. He thinks measures like that will make us less safe, and he would not support legislation that includes it. Okay. They're desperate to get away from this, but not desperate enough to go visit some of the families that lost family members. They're up to eight now, uh, 60-plus wounded, hit by this SUV driver, this uh, this guy who's been out of prison since 1999, runs over people professionally, and now maybe— his bail is at $5 million. Why is he even at $5 million? It's not about a, you're not, you're not worried about him fleeing. This is about how much danger he is to society. What if somebody writes a $5 million check? He's going to be out again. Not that many people would, but he would go visit these families. But he doesn't do any of that. So when we come back, what else happened when you talk about crime and lack of punishment? In San Francisco, a massive looting, coordinated looting at high-profile stores, people taking millions of dollars worth of stock from high-end stores, gone. No one prosecuting. No one stopping. Cops seem more helpless. 
Listen to what the San Francisco DA said that they will do to try to stop the looting on this holiday season because so many pulled up in cars, ran out of cars, filled up those cars, and sped away. Out of the hundreds that did this, I think they arrested eight. Here's Chessa Chessa Bodine. Cut seven. Let me be clear. I am doing everything in my power to keep San Francisco safe and to make sure that people who come to our city to commit crimes are held accountable. That's just this isn't a one-person job, and it's not a problem that's limited to San Francisco. Yeah, you've ruined every city. Los Angeles, destroyed. San Diego, destroyed. Chicago, destroyed. The same philosophy. Philadelphia, New York, trying to recover. They got so much, so much banking here. Uh, that, you know, that you can't loot every place. But believe me, we're one weekend away from being hit like the San Francisco was slammed. So when we come back, I'll take your calls. one 408 Also, the other issue is, is Thanksgiving in, Eve. We're getting all this pandemic advice. And for those people who feel comfortable and don't feel comfortable in public places, one of the things they're saying is, if you're going to go visit family and kids are unvaccinated like most aren't, make them eat first and quickly. If you're worried about how much it's going to cost, charge people for coming over. And if you want to find out if the vaccinated or unvaccinated have breakthrough cases or just cases of COVID-19, what about rapid tests first? You'll be in in 15 minutes if you pass. Does that sound like something you would do? Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Now, I'm not the mayor of California, but I was a mayor. And I know when things like this happen, mayors have to step up. That's not an indictment. That's not a cheap shot. These people need to be held to account. We need to investigate these crimes. We need to break up these crime rings. And we need to make an example out of these folks. Governor Newsom, so disingenuous. The fact that there were these coordinated looting escapades in San Jose, in San Francisco, and Sacramento, uh, this is in Oakland. You know what we're seeing? We're seeing the Wild West come to the West because of the, posif- the, the permissive nature of Governor Newsom, because of the mayors that just want to give side, side with the criminals. And now it's so overwhelming, they're wondering what they're sowing. It's because this is what they reaped. So here is uh, Governor Newsom coming out saying, I want the mayors to do something. You never did anything as a mayor. You set them up for this. And guess what? Nancy Pelosi is evidently closing in on a house in Naples, moving out of the city she destroyed, San Francisco, because everybody knows they're going to lose the house. And she is going to be out of power. So if you, in case you wonder if Governor Newsom's a victim of all this, listen to Harmeet Dillon, who lives there, cut eight. The problem here in California, Laura, is not just the crazy prosecutors. It's that we have these so-called criminal justice reform laws, Prop 47, (laughs) Prop 57, that effectively allow uh, these people to downgrade these serious crimes down to misdemeanors 
And, in fact, prosecutors and judges have almost no latitude in that regard. Yeah. So those laws need to be changed as well. So listen to this. This smash and grab that they did over the weekend, which all caught on camera, was in broad daylight. These cars come skidding up. They come out. I'm sure they even got the license plate. Instead, they have three suspects in custody. Really, three suspects after a Nordstrom smash and grab. Well, you don't want to say looter. Evidently, it's uh, it's racial, uh, racial. Uh, it's embedded with racial tones, undertones. I don't even understand that. Uh, the San Francisco mayor plans to combat the flash mob looting by doing this. We'll limit access to stores ahead of the holidays. Perfect. Let's drive down business, and then let's keep the looters out by driving down business. We're going to make some changes to Union Square and how cars are able to access it. There'll be limited access in terms of what you can come into this area. Why? Because they got right up, they hit 12 stores, and they got right back in their cars. So they're going to make it a longer run. So the looters have one week to train for more of a jog after they take everything they could handle. Most notably, the city saw a staggering increase also in car break-ins in the Central District alone, reporting a 753% increase in such crimes. The San Jose Police Department spokesman updated the media on the incident of theft over the weekend. We're talking about two major incidents. This is an organized robbery, but according to the California Penal Code, uh, they, uh, they are not to call it looting. One of the stores they were hit, Lululemon, $40,000 in merchandise stolen. That's what we're looking at. And that's what you now are starting to crack down on. Please. This is why it is going to be a route. Now, what I would do if I was a Republican, I would say there, okay, run the party. I'd go into every urban environment. And I would say, listen, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, this, uh, the Democrats have thoroughly let you down. They gave you evidently big social programs, but they gave you no future. They All they did was placate you and pander to you. Instead, you have crime that's running rampant. You're in a situation where your schools are well-financed, but they're not good schools. We can do more by trusting more in you and your ability to succeed, not by giving you handouts, but giving you a hand up and giving you direction, but not these programs, not saying it's okay to steal. It's okay to miss school. It's okay not to have a job. It's okay to be a single parent. So these series of things that are taking place, I'm thankful, are all coming to a head because you don't need a 30-second or a 60-second spot to understand. When you deny people the ability to drill, when you depend on other countries in order to get oil and gas down, when we have that material, when you stop prosecuting crimes, when you stop with no, continue with no cash bail, what you're doing is just hurting everyday Americans. Don't tell me the corporations are the bad guys because they're not paying enough taxes. You're the bad guys. You're taking our tax money, and you're not working on our behalf. When we come back, Rich Lowry, on this whole shoplifting capital of the USA, and that is San Francisco, and this whole woke radicalism, a clear and present danger to Democrats, most importantly, the country. Then I'll open up the phones again. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. As we get set for Thanksgiving, don't move. Radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. And so all these concerns a few weeks ago, there would be uh, there'd not be ample food available for Thanksgiving. So many people talked about that, understandably. But families can rest easy. Grocery stores are well stocked with turkey and everything you else you need for Thanksgiving. 
And the major retailers I mentioned are con have confirmed that their shelves will be well stocked in stores this holiday season. Uh. I don't know how you can actually guarantee that. What has happened the last two weeks? It's not certainly anything that you did, Mr. President. Rich Lowry joins us now, editor of National Review, author of The Case for Nationalism. Uh, hey, Rich, do you, that's a pretty big guarantee for the president as he jets off to, to Narragansett. Yeah, I think that the shortage thing, as far as I can tell, is not, not really happening, at least our, our grocery shopping here for Thanksgiving. The things being a more expensive thing is absolutely happening. And we've had poll after poll. I think there might be, I lost count today, maybe three new polls showing inflation is the top concern of people and and the, and Biden has terrible ratings on it. So uh, any time a president is presiding over a time of declining wages, which is what we have in effect because prices are outstripping pay increases, that's a very bad thing. What's crazy, Rich, is he's never ahead of the curve. I can see sometimes being caught by surprise. But he's never ahead of the curve, slow to recognize that going all green was going to destroy us at the pump, slow to recognize that all this money flowing into the system would be sustained inflation, slow to recognize the supply chain problem, slow to understand the ramifications of Afghanistan. And you know that in, by January, it looks like the Russians are going to have 100,000 troops invading Ukraine. Yep. I mean, what's going on here? Yeah, so his priorities have just been disconnected with the public's priorities. The, the public wouldn't have said, hey, let, let's uh, open up our, our border and create a border crisis for no reason. He did it. The public wouldn't have said, hey, let's uh, trash Afghanistan and leave a bunch of Americans behind. He did it. And Americans wouldn't say, well, our top priority is, is passing a huge infrastructure bill and then a huge social spending bill. That's what he's done with infrastructure and trying to do with the social spending. They wanted him to focus on, you know, his promise was to, to tamp down the virus and to have the economy recover robustly. And neither of those things have happened. And he's been behind the curve, as, as you so aptly put it, because he's had these progressive priorities driven solely by politics rather than what's going on. You know, what's amazing is, and I think we discussed this before, is that, you know, when you get people with experience, you might not agree with their policies, but they, they do know how to do things. And that's what Bush 43, you might not agree with the Iraq war, you might not agree with Afghanistan, you, whatever you want, but they know how to do things. They, they, had a, they had mature adults that knew how to do their job. Now, with Trump, he had to go very deep in his, in his bench to get experienced people. A lot of people wanted no part of him. I think he probably got it right at the end. But you would expect, mostly with President Obama just leaving four years ago and Biden using a lot of the same people, they'd be able to hit their stride, even if you disagreed with the stride. What do you think the problem is? Well, I think every administration reflects the guy at the top, no matter what. And with, with Biden, he's just not that deft. He, he's not highly competent. His, his strength throughout his career, such as it was, was bloviating, you know, talking about things. But a senator doesn't have responsibility for anything. You know, occasionally there are consequential votes. Otherwise, a senator is kind of a glorified pundit. And, and no one, you know, throughout that career ever looked at them, including on the Democratic side, and said, Joe Biden, that's the man. That's the man we need to lead the country, to lead the free world, to bring us all, all together. Never. And, you know, he, he stayed around for a long time and then won the primary by default and won the general election basically by default. And here he is. He's just he's just not that good. And we, we see 
indications of it every single day. Yeah, I want you to hear Jennifer Granholm yesterday. Uh, now, all she does is want to talk about green, getting off fossil fuels. We know the President of the United States says, look in my eyes, takes off his aviators, and says this to a little child, we will get off fossil fuels. We will get rid of fossil fuels forever. Well, look, we're seeing the results of that. Don't drill on federal lands. Let's not do any pipelines. 60,000 truckers, uh, 60,000 trucker positions open, not going to Canada, instead going to Saudi Arabia or Russia. Here's Jennifer Granholm, Cut 21. Our administration is deeply committed to tackling this existential threat by transitioning to clean energy, while at the same time making sure that every American has access to affordable energy. Yeah, that's hardly reassuring, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, th- this is the the worst case they have to make in terms of rising prices and inflation. Their entire program is based on making fossil fuel more expensive to disadvantage it with, in competition with, with so-called clean energy. So they want higher prices. They should be celebrating this. This is a, a good thing. You know, to have people using wood rather than, you know, coal or oil to heat their homes, that's great. I mean, not that burning wood is great for, for climate either. But uh, the politics are terrible. It hits people in their pocketbooks, really gets them upset, as we've seen, understandably. So then they're, they're backpedaling in this incoherent position where they've discouraged American production, but they're uh, they're trying to browbeat OPEC into producing more. So why would we want the Saudis to produce more when we have it sitting under our feet? And all we need to do is make sure we're creating a a really good, firm regulatory environment that everyone knows what it is and can depend on and invest on getting more of that stuff out of the ground. But that's exactly what they don't want to do. You know, to have Rich Lowry being critical of a Democratic administration is not breaking news. But when you have have somebody that needs to be won over, he didn't have to weigh in on this, when he talks about releasing the strategic oil reserve by the terms of 50 million barrels, which is two and a half days, and act like that is really hitting things, uh, Joe Manchin came out when he did this and said, okay, uh, if you want to do that, fine. But what about getting the XL pipeline? What about restarting mm-hmm. that? Also, Harold Ford said that on our channel. He says, yeah. you know, tell, send a message to the American people. You understand. You want to drive it and show them you're doing something. So start that pipeline again. What do you think the chances of that? Zero. Uh, there's just, just no way they're going to back down on that. The Keystone XL pipeline makes total sense. It, there's no drastic environmental impact, and it would just make our system more efficient and productive. And, by the way, uh, would, would increase our cooperation with an ally, you know, a, another c- country that has a lot of, of, of fuel, uh, fossil fuel is Canada. You know, wh- why shouldn't we work with Canada rather than the Saudis or the Iranians or the Venezuelans uh, or the Russians? You know, it, it made no sense. And But they're, they're not going to back down on that just because the Greens are utterly committed. And the idea that this is climate change and an existential threat, it, it might be to small Pacific islands. And, you know, maybe over time we should do, do things to, to help them be more resilient. But the idea that a 20th, 21st century modern economy can't deal with occasionally more flooding or more wildfires is insane. I mean, we should just be devoting resources to fighting those things and having a more, more robust protections rather than trying to upset our whole economy and make uh, 
fuel more expensive for for all Americans. So when you look at issues that will resonate, you know, obviously the school issue did resonate, will resonate. The other issue is uh, law and disorder is what we're experiencing now. In almost every major city, things are out of control. Case in point, uh, horrifically, uh, this career criminal who drove his car Mm -hmm. through a parade in Wisconsin. While you're doing that, while people are seeing this outrage, the Democrats are actually pushing to empty prisons and to yep. have more criminal justice reform because there's too many people who don't get their hearings quick enough. If you're a Democrat, Republican, how do you play this? Well, you play the common sense way. I mean, bail reform, which is really bail abolition, is probably one of the worst ideas of the last decade. It's driven the crime spree in New York City. You know, de Blasio had something to do with it, but a lot of it was New York State eliminating bail. Now you see this this terrible um, case there in in Waukesha, and then you see what's happening in the, the Bay Area, which is a function of progressive prosecutors just not putting criminals in jail. You know, if you're if you're shoplifting hundreds of uh, dollars worth of merchandise, you know, you're not just a, a, a wayward teen. You're you're a criminal who maybe stealing it and giving it to an organized gang uh, that's going to sell it overseas. You belong in jail, and you know, you put enough people in jail, they'll stop doing it. The, the incentive system works. People are rational, and but if you if there's stories anecdotally of people going into stores with calculators to figure, am I going to steal less than $950 worth of stuff or more than? Because if it's more than, it's a felony, and they'll prosecute, or prosecute you. If, if it's less than, they're probably not going to prosecute you. So that's just insane. And you know, seeing these, these pictures of dozens of people smashing into high-end retailers and, and grabbing everything they can, th- this is just not what you expect in a, a, a civilized society. It sh- shouldn't be happening. It's polling, and it's hollowing out the Democratic Party. All right. Here's Chesa Bodine, San Francisco DA, on the smash and grab that happened over the weekend and the rampant looting that's taking place. Cut seven. Let me be clear. I am doing everything in my power to keep San Francisco safe and to make sure that people who come to our city to commit crimes are held accountable. This isn't a one-person job, and it's not a problem that's limited to San Francisco. So, he believes that, you know, basically I'm going to crack down. You know one of the things they're doing? Making people park further away, less yeah. spots in front of stores so it'll be a longer sprint with yeah. all these items. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. And, and what we're seeing is a classic broken windows dynamic, right? This was the key insight of Bill Bratton and Rudy Giuliani right at the beginning of the early 1990s. If you don't prosecute the small crimes. It sends a message to everyone that crime is okay and creates an environment of disorder, and then things run totally out of control. And that's what's happening in San Francisco. They need to have the back of every single CVS and Target outlet in that city, and anyone robs anything, they're going to be arrested and and prosecuted. And make an environment where you don't have to keep toothpaste and toothbrushes behind lock and key. I mean, that's insane. I mean, that's what you'd expect of Caracas, Venezuela, not a not a major city in the United States. Yeah, Best Buy CEO says they're just getting they're starting to build that into their uh, business plan. The looting and the stealing—it's uh, incredible. Uh, so we'll see if the if the Republicans can't package this. It's a fact. It's not. A, it's not a uh, an idea. It's not a hope. It's not promising the sky. It will promise you law and order if they can't mm-hmm. run off this. I don't know uh, what will. 
Uh, Rich, yeah, thanks absolutely. so much. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine or Republicans don't feel good about their prospects right now, but the country's got to survive that long. Rich, thank you very much. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, back at you, one 866 When we come back, I'm going to take your calls on that very number. Just a quick word. The President Freedom Fighter is now out. December 3rd, I'm going to be with in front of WOKV listeners, Ponte Vedra. December 4th, I'll be in Clearwater, Florida. Tickets available on BrianKillMe.com. December 5th, in McLean, Virginia. And then check out all my other stops from Tulsa, Oklahoma, to Oklahoma City, to Tyler, Texas, uh, to Dayton, Ohio, to Nashville. I'll be there. Find out more. And if you want a personalized copy of the President Freedom Fighter and you're not on one of my stops, sorry. Number two, go to BrianKillMe.com. It goes to my local bookstore, and I stop in and sign. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. You may have heard the CEO of Walmart yesterday on the steps we've taken. He said, and I quote, the combination of private enterprise and government working together has been really successful. He went on to say, all the way through the supply chain, there's a lot of innovation. Because of the actions we've taken, things have begun to change. End of quote. What are you talking about? He asked one port to stay open 24 hours, but he doesn't have enough truck drivers and warehouse space to move the stuff out. And Walmart did it themselves. They got their own planes and own ships. We're not that stupid. Bill in, in Michigan. Hey, Bill. Hey, Brian. Uh, I love your show. Listen Thank to you. it daily. Appreciate but, it. Um, this, this, is, uh, this has got to stop. Uh, I had family members uh, at that uh, parade uh, this weekend. Their wow. daughter was marching in the parade. And through the grace of God... She was spared, but the family was waiting at the end of the parade line. Uh, it took 45 minutes for the father to rush through broken bones, bodies, blood. It was horrific. Uh, something I'll never forget, but thank God uh, they're okay. But what I'm getting to is damn the prosecutors, the, the court systems, the judges, the people that are involved. Uh, the Democrats appointed most of them. And this system of bail reform has got to stop. I'm from Michigan. Just the other day, Tlaib's talking about shutting down the prisons, letting everyone out. Yep. What common sense is this? This is the result of this. Do you think Democrats are understanding this doesn't represent their values? Are they willing to take action? I mean, the president's desperate to separate himself from it, but no one's seeing that because he's not speaking out. He's waiting for a question and having his press secretary say something. But imagine if he came to the parade ground and talked about how outrageous it is this guy had a $500 bail. It's sickening. And it just it, it is not changing. No one's paying attention. And the first thing the media did when this happened, oh, let's stop. We need to, to wait until we get the facts. Well, that didn't happen with Kyle Rittenhouse um, because the man was black. Uh, They wanted to stop and wait for, uh, you know, explanations. Mm -hmm. I hear you. I'm so glad you're relatives. I hear you. I listen. I think there's there's a practical truth to it. You don't need to see how someone is gives a speech. If they believe that that bail reform is necessary, like Senator Wyden. Congresswoman AOC, 
Rocky WDBO in Orlando. Hey, Rocky. Hey, Brian. Love your show, buddy. Thank you. I, yeah, I've been I've been around a while. I've watched uh, the whole uh, whole uh, uh, climate change, blah blah blah. You know, rising sea levels. Well, <clears throat> Nancy Pelosi just bought an eleven million dollar mansion on the beach in Florida. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, Obama. He lives at the beach. All these Democrats that go around screaming about the need for this whole green energy agenda, they they must not believe it too much because they're building houses right there where all the supposed sea levels are going to rise. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, they, build, if they they want to get away from the ocean, and there's plenty of room in Montana. You want to go over to Michigan, there's plenty of room over there. Uh, but they're going to be moved. They, she, so she ruined San Francisco, so she wants to bring some of that genius over to Naples. The freest state in the country, constantly criticizing Governor DeSantis. But I think I'll, I'll actually go to the state that has the most people. Dave W. Uh, or gaining the most people. Dave W. V. M. T. Uh, okay, we're going to hold off on that because we're up against uh, we're up against a break. But the re- but the meanwhile, and Rocky, thanks for the call. In case you do not know, it looks like Nancy Pelosi. If you look at what's happening in this country, and you see there's almost 20 Democratic retirements. You see, therefore, the Republicans are four seats away from taking the House. There's no way at 83 years old that she's going to want to be in the minority again, even with Joe Biden as president. So she's going to retire. So as San Francisco is overrun with homeless, overrun with looting, overrun with pestilence in the streets, nobody wants to live there. Oakland is out of control. So she is going to go to Florida with her billionaire husband. And her multiple refrigerators. Maybe she'll, uh, maybe she'll use her house as an Airbnb where other people can stay there and utilize all that Freon. Uh, listen, thanks so much for listening to Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com or to the podcast. This way you could decide when you listen, which I hope, by the way, is every day. Keep it here. Happy Thanksgiving. Fox News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends. It's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. 1-866-408-7669. It's going to be a big hour. Andy McCarthy standing by. We're also going to be joined at the bottom of the hour uh, by Governor Chris Christie. He's got a book out. Wants to lead the Republican Party. He'll give a template out there. I had to bring the Republican Party back to victory in 2022 and 2024. So before I get to Andy, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This November, from the people who brought you the most expensive 4th of July in history, the sequel is even worse. Turkey, rolls, apple pie, gas, Democrats' reckless spending has made everything cost more. <laughs> A little bit of an ad. It's true. Thanksgiving is upon us. 20 million will fly. 40 million will drive as we hope to reclaim our traditions. But what has not, that has not stopped the so-called pandemic experts from offering advice to us, like kids eat quickly, forego the turkey, charge relatives for food because it's too expensive to eat just by yourself and pay the whole freight, rapid tests for all, to make everybody relaxed, do any of these suggestions resonate with you and your family? Number two. 
So today I'm announcing that the largest ever release from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve to help provide the supply we need as we recover from this pandemic. The price of gasoline in the wholesale market has fallen by about 10% over the last few weeks. Gas supply companies are paying less and making a lot more. Uh, wow, that's really going to help. Two and a half days, 50 million barrels. That's uh, Joe Biden, the Biden bunch, finally realizing inflation and gas prices matter, and they'll finally address it. But what they said, what they did, what they claim is not helpful. In fact, what they should do is listen to Joe Manchin. Number one. I didn't know the bitch was 16 at the time. She gave a statement to the police and told them, yeah, she was hoeing, that I was pimping, and, and uh, that she was 16, and that I didn't know that. Okay. How's that for an explanation? He's not a pedophile. The 15-year-old, she told him she was 16. Uh, yes, the carnage that we saw in Wisconsin. Another child dies, sadly. The death toll is up to eight as we learn more about the killer. Daryl Brooks, a career criminal, raging racist, domestic abuser, cop hater, and remorseless murderer. And the process and the prosecutor who allowed him to leave prison predicted all this death and destruction. It's part of a bigger left-wing generated problem. With me right now, a man all about law and order. Uh, he is Andy McCarthy. Andy, welcome back. Brian, great to be with you. Andy, this is unbelievable that now we're paying attention. We see what's happening in California, San Francisco, Los Angeles, St. Louis, Philadelphia, and New York with these prosecutors letting all hell break loose. But this guy claims to be the original. In 2007, he said a lot of people were going to follow his way to judicial reform and basically emptying out the prisons for nonviolent criminals. Yeah, Brian, and this is what it always is. You know, when they're talking on the um, when they're talking politics and they're running for office, they give these, you know, vague, abstract condemnations of the society and say that we need reform. Uh, and they have some cockamamie ideas about it, but they, you know, basically the the tune is that it's really when crime gets committed, it's really society's fault, not the person who does the acting, and that what we need to do is reduce incarceration, reduce prosecution, and deal with the root causes of crime. And everybody goes, "Yay, that sounds wonderful!" And then what happens is these um, these aspirational ideas. Uh, are then when they try to apply them, they are in the real world with real flesh and blood people. And what you find is that there's evil in the world, there's recidivist criminals in the world, there's violent crime in the world. And when you unleash it, when you don't rein it in, uh, it commits mass murder attacks like the one we saw over the weekend. What about Rashida Tlaib? Listen to a little of this and tell me you didn't want to throw something at the TV. Here she is talking to Jonathan Swan on Axios. Got three. Have you wrestled with any potential downsides of releasing into society every single person who's currently in a federal prison? Yeah, I, again, I think that everyone's like, oh, my God, we're going to just release everybody. That's not That's what, what yeah, is. but did you see how many people are mentally ill that are in prison right now? No, I know, but the act that you so endorsed we're gonna keep, we're actually says release everyone. But in, in ten, 10 years. years, but think about it: who are releasing? But there were like human traffickers. Oh, I know. Child sex. So, but I you're mean, saying, do you mean that you don't actually support that? No, you, you endorsed the bill. No, I look at. So this went back and forth. She never even thought it through, or she really wants everybody out of prison. Is this unbelievable to you? It is unbelievable, Brian, because she doesn't really want everybody out of prison. It's like the, those uh, – remember the in, in the George Floyd protest, all those 
uh, state legislators or uh, county legislators, whatever they were in, in Minneapolis, who they all wanted to defund the police, but they were all st- spending state funds to their own security. You know, she doesn't yeah. really want everybody out of prison, but she does want all of the progressives who she's the darling of to continue to fund her and love her and vote for her. So she's virtue signaling, and she figures that none of this insanity that she's proposing will ever actually come to pass. But she's able to sort of bask in the adoration of the of the loony birds who like her. Right, but listen to this. The day of the Wakasha uh, carnage, AOC and other House members uh, want to go go ahead and attack excess, what she says is excessive bail. Uh, right. she, this, this is, she goes on to say, uh, members requested briefings from the DAs in the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Richmond County and Queens, requesting new bail hearings and consent to release of all detainees who were charged with misdemeanors and nonviolent felonies. But uh, there's very few of them there, and any delay is really on the mayor and her, his ridiculous system. Meanwhile, Carol Maloney and Jamie Raskin, quote, we have grave concerns about the excess bail amounts that are leading to unnecessary pretrial detention and contributing to a humanitarian crisis in New York City's jail system and, Rhode Island, and Rikers Island. No kidding. At a time in which we see a guy let out on $500 bail when he should be in there for $5 million, which he is in now, they're, they're doubling and tripling down on this new push? Yeah, well, Brian, I, I think the problem here is a legal one which is it's kind of a dumb problem and could easily be fixed, but the failure to fix it uh, walks right into um, the progressive narrative. And just to be more concrete about it, in the 1980s, in federal law, we passed a Bail Reform Act, which allowed prosecutors to move to detain people prior to trial because they presented a danger to the community. So in other words, it wasn't a matter of whether you could post enough money or not. It was simply a matter of whether there was so much evidence that you would be a threat to a person or to the community at large if you were released that no condition or combination of conditions could assure the safety of the public, and then you could be kept in. States like Wisconsin don't have that. So you know what you're seeing in Wisconsin is that they have a – their law does not allow – for detention on the basis solely of danger to the community. So the fiction that they indulge because they don't have that is to say, okay, well then we'll set the bail so high that the person couldn't conceivably get out, which collides right into the left's argument, which was made by this cockamamie uh, so-called prosecutor in Milwaukee, uh, John Chisholm. Uh, They say that um, bail turns out to be a penalty for for uh, poverty. In other words, you're criminalizing poverty yeah. because the poor person can't meet the bail requirement and the rich person can. But in point of fact, they, that shouldn't be the issue. The issue should be, are you too dangerous to let out? If you are, then we should keep you in. It's not a dollar and cents thing. It's a dangerousness thing. Got it. Uh, the other thing, the big story, Kyle Rittenhouse, we know he visited the president yesterday, the former president yesterday in Mar-a-Lago, and he's out speaking with they're going to have a whole trial series on Fox Nation. And he's out speaking with Tucker Carlson over the last two days. This is what he's looking at. He's seeing how people are characterizing him as a white supremacist. That he brought a, a gun across state line, just started shooting people. They're actually in James Madison University. They said that his victims were black. Uh, so the president's called him a white supremacist. And now we're, we're wondering if he's going to go the Nicholas Salmon route 
beyond defamation of character. Listen to what he said. I have really good lawyers who are taking care of that right now. Um, so I'm hoping one day there will be some, there will be accountability for their actions that they did. Okay, so you're, you're intent on not, you're not going to let that go. Uh, like I said, really good lawyers are handling yeah. that. Do you, do you, from what you know, I hear the president's immune because he's a uh, he's president. Number two is public figures like Whoopi Goldberg, who called him a murderer, is immune because they're a public figure. Can you pull a case on any of these people? Yeah, they're not immune, Brian. The, the president's subject to the libel laws just like everybody else is. But the thing is, I, I, I really don't think there's a case here. And it's mainly because of the way the courts have construed um, libel law in the United States and defamation law, and also the very wide berth because of the First Amendment that we give to people's opinions. So if, if somebody voices what could be characterized as an opinion, even if it casts somebody in a bad light, the courts tend to basically say that's a statement of opinion. It's not really an assertion of fact, uh, and therefore it's not defamation. So if, if these things come up, I'm not saying that the public debate is, uh, is conducted in a uh, worthy way all the time. But, you know, there's a lot of things get said that shouldn't be said that are rude and provocative and, and all that stuff. Uh, and it's the price that you pay for living in a, in a open society. Then why was Nicholas and Salmon able to sue? Why was Nicholas Salmon successful? Why was Nicholas Salmon successful? I think because the CNN, was it CNN? Yep. Um, they, I think that was settled, and it was because they were afraid they might lose a trial. Um, so, you know, it's a roll of the dice. They could have gone to trial and won, but if they had gone to trial and lost, the, the verdict against them could have been much worse than the settlement that they were willing to pay. So, you know, when people settle cases, one of the things they say is, how much is it going to cost me in legal fees to defend this? And if I lose a trial, how much is it going to cost me in a verdict? And can I buy peace for less money by settling now? The Ahmed Arbery case, you have to jump off if they have a verdict. But it seems to me from what I saw, uh, these guys are going to get convicted. Is that what you're, is that what you're thinking? I think at the very least the, the, uh, the McMichaels are going to be convicted. I think it's a closer case on the other guy, uh, Brian, Roddy Brian, who um, – He's the guy who was in a separate car, and he was videoing yeah. some of it. Uh, so whether he was coordinated as closely with these guys as the description uh, holds, I, I, I don't know. I think it's a closer case on him. I expect the other two guys are going to get convicted. But, Brian, here's a very interesting thing. I'm going to write about this, too. The state kept out of this case the racial motivation for it. They basically proved their case by showing that these guys – did not have probable cause to make a citizen's right. arrest, and er- everything else followed from it. Uh, I think it's very interesting that they were able to prove this case without going into the racial thing. And at the same time, the Biden Justice Department has indicted these same defendants for civil rights on the ground that the sole reason this happened was racial. I, how does it make sense that the sole reason for it was racial? If the state just proved the case without having to refer to it. How does it make sense? So does the federal government need to, are they going to be taking up this case afterwards, depending on the verdict? Yeah, they've already indicted it, but I don't see how they have a case. Got it. Because I don't see proof. How could, it be, how could there be proof beyond a reasonable doubt here 
that rate, this thing was racially motivated when the state didn't even go there. And they're going to be able to prove their case without it. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Anytime they can grab race, they just love to do it. I feel as though they it's do. a political benefit and it's so detrimental to our country. Uh, and I don't understand why they don't realize that. Thanks so much, uh, Andy. I'll look forward to your coverage tonight. Uh, maybe if we get a verdict, of course. Happy Thanksgiving, Brian. Take uh, care. Same to you, and thanks for everything. Uh, when we come back, your calls, one 408 And Chris Christie at the bottom of the hour. If you have some questions for Chris, go to briankillme.com. Just let me have it. Uh, let me have them. Uh, they'll have comments there, and I'll read them out loud. I'll try to get to them anyway. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You look at Biden, he's almost like he's afraid to talk about China. He's willing to talk about Russia because you can align Russia with Trump, which he's tried to do many times. But when you look at China, he's almost like he's compromised to some degree. Look, he just had that three-hour call with President Xi, did not even mention COVID. COVID's a disease that has ravaged America. More Americans have died in two years of COVID than died in all four years of World War II. But he never even brought it up. And we're darn sure it came out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And by the way, that was uh, General Ke- Lieutenant General uh, Keith Kellogg, worked for the Trump administration. He has be- a really good book out. But he's talking about the fact that there were two summits last week. One, he never brought up with Mexico, the border. Number two, he didn't bring up with China, where the virus started, where more people died under President Biden last year than President Trump. And he had a vaccine to work with. Go figure. But I guess it was President Trump that was incompetent. So I had a chance to talk to Enos Cantor. And you know him as the center for the backup center for the Boston Celtics. He played for the Sacramento Kings, played for the Knicks, a few other teams in between. Really good player, not a great player, but really good, considered, not considered great in the NBA. But, you know, he's from Turkey and has, has had families under house arrest because he's been critical of Erdogan. And now he's calling out China and Nike and Michael Jordan and LeBron James because they actually are doing business with China and they have Muslims uh, in concentration camps, uh, the Uyghurs, right now being tortured in ways we could only uh, we only could uh, imagine. And he came on with me this morning to talk about it. Uh, and also, I think it's important, too, that he called out LeBron James. Here's LeBron James commenting on Cantor, or should I say not commenting? Uh, Cut 40. You know, trying to use my name to create, you know, an opportunity for himself. As a man, you know, if you got really, if you got an issue with somebody, you really come up to him. He had his opportunity tonight. I seen him in the hallway. He walked right by me. Well, that's not what Cantor told me. Cut 49. What happened when you saw each other behind the scenes? Well, first of all, he's lying about that, too, because I actually walked out of tunnel and I stopped to take a picture with a kid and he was right behind me. And he, he was the one literally walked right past me and didn't say anything. But, hey, I'm always open to talk for sure. If it, whenever he wants to have a conversation, it's going to be a very uncomfortable conversation for him. But whenever he wants to talk, I'm, I'm always here. Right, and he calls, you know, you're calling out Michael Jordan, the NBA. Uh, the Celtic games are now pulled out of China, costing the franchise millions of dollars. And if they continue to cut, if they want to pull down the whole league, it'll cost them billions. But Cantor's saying, who cares? Do the right thing and don't go to the Olympics. On a different note, um, 
Uh, Billy, listening to WLAD, was talking about the prison system. Billy. Brian, good morning. Long-time listener, first time getting through. Thank you. What's on your mind, Bill? Well, listen, when uh, when I saw the narrative of uh, that famous congresswoman, I'm not even going to say her name, of shutting federal prisons down, it's like mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. I worked 30 years in the system, and it's it's absolutely, other than, yeah, there is mentally insane, but for the most part, I, I wouldn't want probably half to three-quarters of the inmate population of about 200,000 released back into society and say, here, have at it. Yeah, anybody who works in a prison doesn't want to empty the prisons. Nobody wants to work in a prison, but the benefits are great. one 408 Inside the Republican Party with Chris Christie next. Best-selling book. Uh, he'll be joining us live. Don't move. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. The reality is, look, uh, President Biden just turned 79. There's a lot of questions among Democrats about whether he will have the stamina to run. Uh, pretty much everyone, you know, I've talked to doesn't think he will. And so even though you saw reports like the Washington Post over the weekend had a story about how President Biden and his top advisors are trying to reassure everyone privately he's going to run, he's going to run, nobody believes it. Is that true? That's Rachel Beta, Politico. Let's bring in Chris Christie. Uh, he is all over the political scene, also has a book where the, uh, he's kind of charting the course for the Republicans to get back in charge. It's called Republican Rescue, Saving the Party from Truth Deniers, Conspiracy Theorists, and the Dangerous Policies of Joe Biden. Uh, Governor, welcome back. Hey, great to be back, Brian. Thank you. Man, I thought I was on a big book tour. You are. You are in the line of fire everywhere. Well, look, um, you know, you, you, you go out, you write a book that you think is important, and your job is to go out there and let people know about it. So hopefully uh, they get a moment to uh, they get a moment to uh, go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or their local bookstore and pick it up. And you would recommend they buy both of our books, right? Well, they should have already bought your book because <laughs> I had a that was out before mine. I've already <laughs> bought it. They should buy it. Um, and they should buy Brett Baer's book also. Yeah. It should be a threesome. Buy Brett's, buy yours, and buy mine. Yeah. And then you're set through Christmas. You know about the past and you know about the future. But what did you think about Rachel Bay just said? Almost no one on the left thinks he's going to run again. Well, I think that just shows that even though the left is completely wrong from a policy perspective, uh, they're not stupid. Um, and so, you know, look, anybody who watches Joe Biden doing his job, um, as president, I think, could come to the conclusion there's no way he could do it for eight years. And and I, I don't think there's any chance he'll run for re-election, um, not only because of his age, as, as Rachel mentioned, but just as importantly because of his performance. Uh, you know, I don't think the Democrats are going to want him by the time we get to 2023 and 2024. And I think they're going to want to try to turn the page and move to something else because this administration will have been such an abject failure and an embarrassment. But in case you think he's not running, Jen Psaki pushed back. There were reports that President Biden was telling allies that he is going to run for re-election in 2024. Can you confirm, is he going to run in 2024? Is he telling staff that? Yes, that's his intention. What do you think? Is she sold on that statement? No, and I think that the key word to listen to there is that's his intention. Um, you know, look, 
Um, it's it, everybody has intentions to do certain things that wind up not happening. Um, and so even if you take her at her word, which I don't think you should, but even if you take her at her word, that that's his intention. I think reality of his mm-hmm. time as president will creep in, Brian, and will make him conclude uh, the Democratic Party conclude. And most importantly, the American people conclude that uh, when this four year experiment comes to an end, it should come to an end. Republican rescue in the name of the book. Governor, how is your uh, your game plan different than the 2008 autopsy report after Mitt Romney lost? The Republican Party did this whole uh, look at themselves, where they should be going, what they should be doing. Donald Trump ignored it and won. But what, what, how is yours different from the 08 diagnosis? Well, because because my uh, my view is about the next election, not about the last election. And, and that's what we should be talking about. My book is a reaction to not only what happened in 2020, but that's a small part of the book. The largest part of the book is reacting to the awful policies of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and saying, what do we need to do for the next election, which is 2022? Um, to be able to take back the House, the Senate, and take as many governorships as we possibly can. My book is a forward-looking book that focuses on the next election, and I urge people not to look backwards and not to be talking anymore about the last election. I don't, and I think that was the problem with the autopsy. The autopsy was a backwards-looking mm-hmm. document. My book is a forward-looking document which says we've got a threat. And look, even Rupert Murdoch, your boss, last week, Um, spoke at his shareholders meeting and said, we are fighting, we're in a fight for the future of America. And spending any time looking back at the last election is a waste of time and one that will not help us win next time. We have to look forward. My book had already been written. I'm glad to see that Rupert agrees with me. Um, And I think that's what we need to do. Governor, the other thing is important, though, in looking back in this, how to correct things. For example, there were pandemic uh, programs. I mean, the drop boxes that were everywhere. Everybody got a mail-in ballot using old addresses, not having updated voter rolls. You know, you're you're in Nevada, and you find out you have an app, you have a voter registration form waiting for you in Atlanta. So a lot of the things that took place needed to be reined in. The other thing we're finding out, and we don't have all the details yet, is billionaires like Mark Zuckerberg pouring money in for Democratic causes in big and small races, especially in this Georgia race. Are there things to plot and plan and to make sure this thing is exposed prior to uh, because it's not a good business model for Facebook to pick a side, is it? And if they were exposed, maybe they wouldn't do it. But now the damage is done. How do you feel about that? Well, a few things. First, on the laws, I am totally in favor of us updating our election laws. That's also a forward looking um, project, Brian. That's to say, look. Voter ID is something that should be required of everybody to show an ID when you go to vote. Um, Updating the voter rolls so that people who have moved or have passed away um, can be taken off voter rolls. Um, Making sure that not everybody gets a mail-in ballot, but only those people who want a mail-in ballot and ask for one, affirmatively get one. Um, And these are a lot of the changes that were made um, in in the Georgia voting law, uh, in the Texas voting law and a number of the other states that are making changes as we speak. So I think that's a necessary and good thing. Um, On the stuff about Facebook and some of the other social media, folks, look, um, transparency is what we should be doing. They have a right to pick a side, Brian, but they got to tell us they've picked a side. Um, And we should have disclosure of those things. Uh, and, And the fact is that 
you know, good reporting is, is making sure that that gets exposed. The New York Post has done a great job in that regard. And I think that we're going to know. And by the way, we already knew they had picked a side. I mean, we didn't have to guess that they had picked a side. We know that in Silicon Valley, um, they're liberals and they go for liberal Democratic causes. And so we can't sit around and moan and complain about it. Uh, we have to make sure that our voters and our supporters and donors mm-hmm. will come up and, and start to do the very same thing, supporting our candidates. And I believe that's what they'll do in 22 and 24 and why we're on a pathway if we don't look backwards and we look forward and lay out a plan for the American people that makes them say, God, that's so much better than what Biden and Harris are doing. I have to vote for those folks. If we do that, we're on a good path to victory. Well, I see this uh, poll just came out. Uh, it says that President Trump is now leading Joe Biden in five battleground states, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, all where the whole election obviously will be decided. Uh, Biden uh, leads by uh, uh, President Trump wins by three votes, uh, three points or less in uh, in Georgia. Trump would be ahead by three points um, as well and eight points in Arizona, 12 points in Michigan, six points in Pennsylvania and 10 points in Wisconsin. That's pretty stunning turnaround for a guy that's only given a handful of interviews and is not on social media. Well, I look, I think what this is telling everybody is it's a referendum on the Democratic policies for the very reason you just mentioned. Um, President Trump has been very quiet for the most part um, on policy issues that are going on. I think this is the American people's referendum on what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are doing. And that's great. It's great that they're rejecting these crazy liberal policies, but it's not enough, Brian. We have to lay out our ideas. We have to live because if, if we just sit on this uh, and just say, oh, well, we're winning in 2021, uh, so we'll win in 22 and 24, that's not it. Elections are always about the future, always about the future. I told this story before that in 2013, when I was running for reelection, right after Hurricane Sandy, we had rebuilt the boardwalk in five months. I'm taking a walk on that boardwalk. It's kind of a victory lap. And a voter comes up to me and says, so you're running for re-election? I said, I am. He said, why should I vote for you? I said, well, look at this boardwalk. We rebuilt it in five months. No one thought we could do it. And he goes, no, no, Gov. That's what I got for voting for you last time. What do I get for voting for you next time? Um, that's the way voters think, Brian. And we've got to lay out a positive, forward-looking agenda that does not waste any time on the past in the last election and spends all our time on the future and the next elections coming up. So you, you were doing CNN, MSNBC, ABC, you're doing, you work for ABC and you're doing yeah. these, uh, these interviews. And I'm just wondering in the big picture, do you gain, can you win without those outlets? Do you need to engage those outlets or do you feel as though we're so dug in as a country where no one watching MSNBC was going to be giving you a second look if you decide to run, CNN, a second look if you decide to run. What do you think? No, I believe you have to engage everybody, Brian. I, I, I don't. I want a country that um, we have everybody engaging with each other. doesn't mean agreeing with. It means engaging with. I want people on CNN and MSNBC to hear my point of view. Um, and I want to fight like I did with Nicole Wallace and others who interviewed me about why my point of view is the right way. I think people learn whenever they hear that type of back and forth. And so I, I at least my own personal philosophy, Brian, is um, I spent, I mean, look, I made more appearances seven on Fox News than I did on the others combined um, because I think it's important for our voters, our viewers uh, to hear that. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to ever not go any place. I think Republicans shouldn't be afraid to go anywhere because I think our ideas are better. And when our ideas are better, we have a chance of convincing some people. There'll be some people we won't convince. That's fine. You know, those are the people who yell and scream at us. I'm not worried about that. I'm not intimidated by it. I want to I think our ideas are so good that I want to go and sell them everywhere. What did you personally learn? Not that you aren't street smart already, but you are on MSNBC all the time. You're friends with uh, Joe and Mika. And when this bridge controversy popped up, they were unbelievably relentless on you. You would think there was no other issue in the country. Were you at, at all taken back and where you paused and thought, what am I watching here? Oh, well, look, um, you know, John Stewart once said to me in the immediate aftermath of this, I can't believe all this coverage. What are you, the president of the United States of New Jersey? <laughs> um, you know, uh, it was ridiculous coverage for something that turned out to be um, uh, an incident that the United States Supreme Court threw out by a 9 nothing vote. Um, uh, and so, you know, look, it's, it's for ratings. Um, I'm obviously somebody who gets a lot of attention. Um, and they did what they did. It was, it was callous uh, and it was cowardly and it was wrong. Um, but I'm a big boy, and you're in this business. These are the things that are going to happen, and I don't spend time whining or complaining about it, Brian. I just keep fighting, and, and all that stuff happened now eight years ago, and here I am. And so, you know, their attempt to, to kill me um, politically uh, turned, out to be, uh, turned out to be for naught. Uh, there's something else going on in the country. For example, if you had an autopsy report, not many people thought that we'd be talking about should criminals stay in prison? Should we have no cash bail? Should we allow people to steal up to $1,000 from any store at any time? Should be there smash and grab be commonplace in Sacramento, Oakland, as well as San Francisco that, and Los Angeles? That's what we're witnessing now. These are issues that the American people were for criminal justice reform. I don't believe they're for this one of these liberal listen to this governor in California offer a warning to not criminals but to mayors. Cut six. Now, I'm not the mayor of California, but I was a mayor. And I know when things like this happen, mayors have to step up. That's not an indictment. That's not a cheap shot. These people need to be held to account. We need to investigate these crimes. We need to break up these crime rings. And we need to make an example out of these folks. Does Governor Newsom have any right to send a message to mayors? No, he doesn't. Um, he's trying to pass off responsibility because he knows um, that this is going to be something, um, you know, that is going to be very, very detrimental for his political future and the political future of the Democratic Party. And the reason for that is because it's detrimental to the health, the safety and the welfare of the people of his state and all the other states where this is happening. Look, we did smart criminal justice reform in New Jersey, Brian. And what we did in New Jersey was, uh, when I was governor, we, we wound up reforming criminal justice but saying that we gave judges the right that if, if folks committed any act of violence, they could be denied bail and held in prison until they um, You know, that – and in return, if we didn't have folks who committed acts yeah. of violence, they were eligible for bail. That's, and you know what happened? We, we wound up closing two state prisons because of that, saved the money of, of having people in prison. But on the other hand, crime went down in New Jersey, not up. And so, 
you know, criminal justice reform and what the American people wanted was smart criminal justice reform. This is stupid mm-hmm. criminal justice reform that's leading to violence on our streets right. and mayhem in our in our businesses, and it's wrong. And these people should be in jail when they commit these acts. Two quick questions. Governor Newsom has looked as the great Democratic hope since he won, uh, overcame his, his recall. Uh, he seems to be a lightweight. You've met him, is he? Look, let me tell you something. His policies are lightweight. <laughs> I can tell you that much, uh, Brian. Okay. You look at you look at what's happening. I was just in Los Angeles on the book tour last week. It's awful. The conditions in Los Angeles are awful. Uh, the conditions in San Francisco are awful. The two major cities in California. Uh, Gavin Newsom's responsible for that. Um, just the way any governor is responsible for the conditions that go on in their state. Right. They can't keep the power on. They can't control wildfires. I mean, this is a state where things are completely out of control. And by the way, they're one of the most heavily taxed states in America. So people are paying a ton of money for lousy services. That doesn't seem to be to be a resume item for being president of the United States. Governor Chris Christie, if you want to know where he stands, read his book, Republican Rescue. But actually, not just about him. It's about this party, saving the party from uh, truth deniers, conspiracy theorists, and the dangerous policies of President Biden. Governor, always great to talk to you. Happy Thanksgiving, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on. I hope you enjoy the holiday. Absolutely. Congratulations on the success of the book. When we come back, I'll finish up with your calls. I see you out there in Alabama. I see you out there in New Jersey. Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you are not boosted, you are not fully vaccinated. And if you're not fully vaccinated, you need a really good mask. Secondly, I think when you're on an, on an airplane, I would skip the small glass of soda. Leave your mask on during the, during the flight. <laughs> Eat quickly. Keep your mask on during the flight. Don't drink anything. Rapid test before you eat. Brad in Alabama. Hey, Brad. Hey, Brian. Just wanted to say thank you for visiting Fairhope. I unfortunately missed the event. My daughter came down from the University of Auburn, but I heard it was a success. My question is what um, book are you currently researching, and or can you give any information about that? I, I'm not. I, I'm really – I was knee-deep in this. Next thing you know, it's released. I'm out. Uh, and I was in Fairhope, uh, Alabama over the weekend. It was fantastic. Great people. So much pride in the area. Beautiful, idyllic town. Then back to Pensacola, then over to Orlando for a live show. Um, and I will, you know, I'm going to be looking for the next step if I do another book. But right now, the president and freedom fighter is looking, is fighting its way up the uh, the charts in the New York Times list. Because we have to know, uh, Brad, our true history. It's not 1619, all right? It's 1776. And in this case, this book is from 1840 to 1865. Uh, I appreciate it. And by the way, people of Alabama could not be nicer. People of Florida could be not be nicer. I, I didn't know. I was in Pensacola. 40 minutes I was in Alabama. I really do not know that area well, but I, I do wish to know it better. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you want your book uh, personalized, just go to briankilmeade.com. It goes to my Barnes & Noble by my house. I sign it and send it. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I hope you have great plans for Thanksgiving. We won't have to alter them too much because last year was so miserable for so many. 1-866-408-7669. Bottom of the hour, one of the funniest people and most insightful people you will talk to. Adam Carolla will be here and one of the most tapped in, interesting people you could possibly book and read. Josh Rogan is standing by. He's author of Chaos Under Heaven, Trump, She, and the Battle for the 21st Century, which, by the way, we're in in every way. So before we get to Josh, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This November, from the people who brought you the most expensive 4th of July in history, the sequel is even worse. Turkey, rolls, apple pie, gas. Democrats' reckless spending has made everything cost more. Uh, that's an NRCC ad. Thanksgiving is upon us. 20 million will fly. 40 million will drive, as we all hope to reclaim our Thanksgiving traditions. But that has not stopped the so-called pandemic experts from offering some advice, like kids, eat quickly, forgo the turkey, eat outside, charge relatives for the inflated food, and rapid tests for all, vaccinated and unvaccinated. Are any of those traditions going to be in your plans? Number two. So today I'm announcing that the largest ever release from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve to help provide the supply we need as we recover from this pandemic. The price of gasoline in the wholesale market has fallen by about 10% over the last few weeks. Gas supply companies are paying less and making a lot more. Uh, Yes, uh, the Biden bunch finally realizing inflation and gas prices matter, and they finally address it. But what they said, what they claim to have done, not really helpful, not very accurate. We'll explain. Number one. I didn't know the bitch was 16 at the time. She gave a statement to the police and told them, yeah, she was hoeing, that I was pimping, and, and uh, that she was 16, and that I didn't know that. Okay? Yeah, the Wisconsin carnage. Another child dies and the death toll up to eight. You just heard this. Uh, Daryl Brooks, one of the worst human beings you could ever imagine, a career criminal, raging racist, domestic abuser, cop hater, and remorseless murderer. And the process and the prosecutor who allowed him to leave prison for a small, uh, a, a small uh, bounty, excuse me, a small bail amount of five hundred to one thousand dollars is almost as much to blame as uh, him for the sixty-plus wounded and the eight dead. So that's a story that's going to be a major, that's going to resonate big time in 2022, and certainly it's going to affect everybody who's thinking about going to a small parade to, today uh, and a big parade it's like the one in New York City tomorrow. Uh, Josh Rogan joins us, author of Chaos Under Heaven. Josh, welcome back. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Uh, back at you. Josh, uh, for this year, uh, we have one huge story. I can imagine your frustration because you're living and breathing. Even before the pandemic, you knew about President Xi. You knew about the threat of China. And after this virus, finally, you have President Biden there to a virtual summit with President Xi. Are you surprised and or disappointed the origins of the virus did not come up? Right. Uh, well, it's clear that Biden administration has abandoned uh, the search for the origins of the pandemic. They're doing exactly nothing, as far as I can tell, to find out how the outbreak happened. Uh, when I've talked to top Biden officials uh, in private, they say the same thing. They say, well, we know the World Health Organization is never going to be able to do it, but we don't know what to do, and the Chinese will never let us into the lab, so we'd rather not rock the boat. And to that, I always say to them, how dare you? You know, they have a fiduciary and moral responsibility to 
do their best to figure this out because unless we find out how we got into this mess, we don't know how to prevent the next one. And, you know, here's what I the the the, the possible good news, Brian, yeah. is that, you know, we have a lot of information in our own systems, in our own labs, in our own NIH, in our own a bureaucracy that, you know, the Biden administration, for some odd reason, despite claiming to want transparency and want to figure this out, won't tell their own agencies to release. But uh, if the House, you know, switches next year, uh, you know, it's going to be a whole new ball game because, uh, you know, when Republicans get the subpoena power, uh, they're going to crack open those books and we're going to find out a lot more whether the Biden administration or the Chinese Communist Party likes it or not. Josh, you find this a little uh, mystifying because Senator Schumer used to be one of China's greatest critics. He's in power now. I mean, there's a lot of Democrats who are more crit- critical of China than Republicans. And now all of a sudden they're radio silent. I don't know. It's not in their political. It's not their fault. They they weren't. They didn't have a, Republic, a Democratic president when this pandemic hit. They could come off like heroes. Why not do it? Right. There's bipartisan consensus that we need to be tough on China, but no idea of what that actually means or how to do that in practice. And, you know, we have this one big China bill, the Schumer bill, right? It's supposed to be this Congress's answer. It doesn't really do much on China at all. It has some money for semiconductors and the House won't even pass it. Okay. So that just shows you how Congress wasted 2021. Uh, frankly, it didn't really do squat on the China challenge, despite having a lot of press conferences and dropping a lot of bills that no one ever read. And then if, when you talk about like the, the Biden administration, I mean, come on, like the their biggest decision this year has been to the one that they haven't even announced to do a diplomatic boycott of the genocide olympics okay and uh you know that's a something that's not nothing but that just shows you how they think about this china challenge they want to check the boxes they want to do the things that make sure that biden can't get flanked on his right about the china issue when he comes up for re-election but they don't actually want to take any risks they don't actually want to put together any strategies that might really affect the problem uh, you know, it's like a Goldilocks approach, not too hot, not too cold. And what you get is a muddle. And that's where we are, you know, but the Chinese Communist Party hasn't sat on its hands in 2021. They're expanding militarily and increasing their repression and increasing their menacing of Taiwan and their crackdown on the Uyghurs and their suffocating of Hong Kong and the Tibetans and anyone else who won't shut up and get with the program. And, you know, we're going to have an Olympics in three months in Beijing with a genocide happening in the same country. What's that going to be like? If that doesn't make you feel sort of sick to your stomach, then I don't know what to tell you. Well, that's what, of all people, Enos Cantor is showing the most morals and principles. Here's what he said. I interviewed him today, but here's a look what he's been taking on China for the last month. Cut 42. It is crystal clear that the Chinese government's end goal is to bring Hong Kong under its total control. We must not let that happen. When it comes to China, Nike remains silent. You are scared to speak up. Everybody knows about the slave labor and everybody knows about the sweatshops. So to me, you know, principles, morals and values is way more important than money. And that should be for every athlete in the world. So the Celtics can no longer be seen in China. Uh, The NBA is worried about losing billions uh, because the Houston Rockets GM said what he said. Why is a Turkish basketball player showing more strength than any lawmaker? You know, because he has courage and because he has he knows what evil is. You know, Enes Kanter's father was unjustly unjustly imprisoned in Turkey by Erdogan. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Turkish government uh, tried to cancel him several times 
And he points, as he points out, when he was protesting against Turkey, nobody cared. But now that he's protesting against China, all of a sudden his career is in jeopardy. All of a sudden everyone's, uh, you know, uh, shorts are in a bunch. But let me tell you something. Uh, it's not just Anna Scanner, because when the World Tennis Association, you know, decided to side with uh, Pang Shui, the Chinese tennis player who vanished and then appeared in an Orwellian, you know, hostage video three weeks later after claiming she was raped by a top Chinese Communist Party member, uh, when they took took a stand, they joined the fight. And this is only getting uh, bigger. And you're seeing activism on campuses and amongst non-governmental organizations. And, you know, it's really hard to turn away from a genocide. It's really hard to ignore it. And, you know, if you want to see someone really work hard to ignore it, just take a look at LeBron James, okay? And, you know, Ennis Cantor has called out LeBron James. And LeBron James' response to Ennis Cantor was to accuse him of, quote, trying to use my name to create an opportunity for himself. LeBron James is accusing Ennis Cantor of doing this for his own self-interest, because LeBron James apparently can't fathom what it is like to risk your own success and your own freedom uh, for the benefit of others, for the benefit of promoting the awareness of those who are suffering. He can't even comprehend it. And that's the difference between Ennis Cantor and LeBron James. And you want to hear the funniest part, Brian? Yep. The Chinese Communist Party didn't even let Space Jam 2 play in China. They didn't even, you know, like that was the whole reason LeBron James was, you know, carrying their water. He really wants, it was a $200 million movie. And it's going to tank if they don't release it in China. And the Beijing, they won't even release it. They didn't even give him his bribe. They didn't even give him his 30 pieces of silver. Well, uh, since the pandemic hit, uh, we know there's been some waves that hit China. We never get the full story. We also know there's been some sporadic uh, power outages over there as they're having problems there with their money supply. But in terms of or their power, they seem to have increased influence since, the infl- since they inflicted this pandemic on the world. You know, the Chinese Communist Party, you know, is the most powerful organization in the world and the richest. OK. And what they've done is they've used the technology and the AI and the surveillance and the DNA sequencing and the science that we gave them, that we paid them to take from us and continue to give them, by the way. What do you mean? And they, well, all, how do you think they built up all of this industry through cooperative? Some of it they stole from our tech industry. Some of it we gave them money to build from our Wall Street firms. And some of our tech industries handed over for access to the Chinese market that they never got. So th- through uh, over 30 years of scheming, uh, not only did they steal most of our high-end technology, they, in some cases, they're surpassing us. And but rather than doing what they talk, think that we hope that technology would do, which is to empower individuals, they've turned it against their own people and used it to turn their people into chattel, into into tools of the party state, into the property of the party. And that is, you know, the the nature of their regime, and that's what they want to export to the world. And you know, part of that is the mm-hmm. genocide, but part of that is just every single thing you do. Uh, must be to the benefit of the party or they ding your social credit score and your life sucks, okay? And that's how what they're doing across China, and it's sinister and it's evil and it's wrong. Now, when they export it to our shores and tell us that we can't tweet what we want or say what we want or they're going to punish our companies or our leagues, that's when we have to say absolutely no. And that's what you're seeing in the NBA today. So Joe Rogan, I know you did a great podcast with him and made probably more than one, but I only have seen one of them. He said this about... Uh, remind this Joe Rogan said this about these mandates and what it reminds me of what China's doing. Listen, that's that's what terrifies me is that we have to become like China in order to deal with what they're doing. Um, I, I, I just I feel like 
one step moving in that general direction is a social credit score system. Mm -hmm. And I'm terrified of that. Right. And I think that that is where vaccine passports lead to. Mm -hmm. I really do. Once the government has that kind of power and control, they're going to be able to exercise it whenever they want with all sorts of reasons to, to institute it. And the next wave would be, well, we need a booster. You're not fully vaccinated. Is, does he, is he being paranoid or is he, is he have a legitimate worry? Well, you know, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Okay, <laughs> And, you know, I, I, I hear like I agree with the thrust of Joe Rogan's concerns here. What I would say is that, you know, we have a job to do is to balance security and privacy. OK, that's not easy. OK, and, and if you're, you're right. If you let the security law enforcement people draw the line, it's going to be it's not good for us. I'm a free speech guy. I'm a journalist. I want, you know, privacy to take, you know, the, the lead role. But. You know, how we do that is a national conversation that we can't seem to muster because we're all worried about our teams. And, yeah, the risk is that if you go zero privacy and 100 percent security, then you're in China. OK. And if you go 100 percent privacy right. and zero percent security, you have anarchy. So where is that balance? I think, we, you know, good people on both sides of this issue need to come together and try to figure that out. Be interesting. A couple of things. You retweeted this column for The New York Times. Nobody else is paying much attention to it. We're talking about it. I was stunned to read in The New York Times how Hunter Biden's firm in 2013 helped secure cobalt for the Chinese. Why is that significant? Because mostly these batteries need cobalt. If we're going to go to this clean energy era, it looks like China got an extremely valuable mine in the Congo. What's going on here? Why did you find this story significant? I know why I've, why I found it significant. You know, because you know the 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 crazy thing in today's discourse. I know you know this well, Brian. Is that we have this very simplified discussion of the China challenge? Are we in a cold war? Is it a cold war? Do you want a cold war? Do you not want a cold war? And it's it's just for, you know nonsense for the chattering class to put out like papers and stuff. But the real action is that the this competition with China is on. And it's happening all over the world, including in Africa. And the Chinese are, government is playing it ruthlessly. Okay. And when you know you read that those articles, it's like, oh well. Even the Nixon administration knew that you had to go to these countries and try to secure vital resources and help them out in the process if you can. We didn't always do it well. Okay. But that's different than like letting the Chinese government come in because you know that's going to be worse. And the reason that article was important is because it shows how our elites on both sides of the aisle, by the way. Help the Chinese do it, okay? And Hunter Biden is one of them, but he's not the only one. And he's been doing it for years, for 10 years, along with his uncle. And, you know, it, it, that's just, uh, that's what the, I mean, if the New York Times can write it, I guess we can talk about it, right? Without <laughs> yeah, I guess cancer, so. Right? Without, yeah, with, the New York Times. Yeah, so, without uh, having uh, a food I'm, taster or someone yeah, else so start your car. Yeah, so don't tweet at me. Tweet at the New York Times, okay? So it, it's the evidence is pretty rock solid, okay? And we couldn't talk about it during the campaign, fine. But now campaign's over. So let, you know, we have to be honest about it. And we have to, if you really want to drain the swamp, then you have to stop American elites taking millions of dollars from Chinese state-owned entities in order to advance their interest against ours, okay? There, there used to be a word for that. It would be called, it was called treason. Now it's just called business. So Bill Maher, of all people, said if it was Don Jr.'s name in that headline, Everybody would be running with that that story only for 24 hours. Instead, the New York Times writes it, and almost nobody talks about it. And when you were, you were being facetious when you were saying, now the election's over, we can talk about it. You never felt pressure not to talk about it, did you? No, I, not oh. me personally, but it seemed like everyone ignored it for some reason, and I couldn't understand the laptop why and everything. at the time. Yeah, I mean, I, actually, you could understand why at the, at the time, but that's not the point. The point is that, you know, no, the, the, the Biden family, especially Hunter Biden, has been doing business with all sorts of shady foreign actors 
uh, for all of these years, and the 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 paper trail is 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 as long as as you want it to be. And it's and so you know again, this is not to say that it's just the Bidens. It's you know this is how Washington works. You know you you find your proxy, your son-in-law, right. or your or your or your son, and you send him out to 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 trade on the family name, and it's got to stop. Right. Uh, Joe Rogan's been living off your name for way too long, Josh. It's time for you to bring a lawsuit. Uh, hey, Seth listen. Rogan, too, by the way. Yes. Uh, uh, Washington Post, uh, it's time to train the foreign influence swamp. Uh, definitely check out that column, too. Josh, there's never enough time. Thanks so much. Have a great Thanksgiving. You too, my friend. one 408 7669 Brian Kilmeade Show. Back in a moment. Then Adam Crow at the bottom of the hour. So much to listen to. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. one 408 7669 Adam Crowley coming up next. Just great to talk to Josh Rogan. He did talk about the foreign influence and what they do. And also talked about almost fatalistic. Nothing you can do about it when a guy like Hunter Biden decides, hey, you know what? I'm going to go get an investment firm and start investing in these countries and make sure everyone knows on the front man. Uh, meanwhile, he's got a huge crack and and and. uh Illegal substance addiction. And for, for President Biden, as a dad, to put his son in these high-stakes position, knowing that he's going to be compromised, compromise his dad on down, I think that's uh, pretty significant. And I think it's pretty terrible parenting. I just love the way people keep talking about the president and saying, well, I disagree with his policies, but he rates high when it comes to compassion. I don't know. I don't really see much compassion. The only compassion I see is for Russia and China and, uh, and, and a pandering towards our allies. Sleeping at the Green Summit uh, in Glasgow and going after Trump fans and supporters. Won't even mention his name. We'll only do his policies, even if it hurts the country. So when we come back, Adam Crowell. And then after that, we'll be able to take some calls again. Or if you prefer to write, BrianKillMe.com. Um, so special thanks to everybody who's come out over the last few weeks uh, leading up to Thanksgiving to see you in person. Just so you know, got about 10 more appearances before the end of the year. Everywhere from Dayton, Ohio, Tulsa, and Oklahoma City. Uh as well as uh, next weekend, Ponte Vedra, and then over to Clearwater, Florida. Still some tickets left in Clearwater. Brian Kilmeade Show. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Mr. President, if I could say one thing to you, I would urge you to go back and watch the trial and understand the facts before you make a statement. That's not a small thing to be called that. No, it's it's actual malice defaming my character for him to say something like that. And that is Kyle Rittenhouse talking to, uh, to Tucker Carlson, talking about the president, who was a candidate at the time, basically tweeting out and talking about him being a white supremacist and visiting Jacob Blake, who was shot after he tried to overpower cops walking through two tasers. And then the riots ensued. Rittenhouse, after a couple of days, goes down there with his gun. Not a great idea. Obviously ends up in a fight for his life, clearly self-defense, but spends 80-plus days in prison. Ultimately gets exonerated. And people say white privilege, and this is race-related, even though everybody he shot is white. Uh, and there he is calling out the president. Should he turn around and do a Nicholas Sandman and sue for defamation? Adam Carolla could have went to law school, but if he did... Uh, he would have done extremely well. He's hosting the Adam Crowell Show on Podcast One, author of I'm Your Emotional Support Animal, uh, Navigating Our All-Woke, No-Joke Culture. And he's got a new announcement. The Daily Wire has a new comedy show coming out, and it's called Truth Yeller, starring none other than Adam Crowell. Adam, welcome back. 
Always good to be back, my friend. Now, Adam, I just wanted you to weigh in. I'm, I'm sure you saw at least some of the Tucker Carlson interview. How did you think uh, he, Kyle came off? And what do you think about what he, how he just addressed the president? Well, you know, he came across as a human being. The media makes him into a monster for 12 months, and then he sits down, and he's a complete and utter human being. You know, it's really just going from this, you know, sort of left-leaning – you know, the left creates a caricature, right? right? He's this gun-toting, MAGA hat-wearing – you know, hooligan who's going to hit the streets hunting for BLM members. And then he sits down and and it it does not comport with whatever the caricature they made of him did not comport whatsoever with what you saw in Tucker Carlson. And, you know, there's another thing, too, when Biden, you know, we all know Biden said his first his first announcement was, well, you know, the, the jury did its job. His second one was about, you know, how disappointed he was in the verdict, right? Mm-hmm. But if you watch him on his first one, his first one, he said, I didn't watch the trial. And then he said, the jury did their job. I stand by it. Well, if you didn't watch the trial, then how are you disappointed <laughs> in the second one? His people walked him back. Later. His people walk him right. back. And I, I actually of don't. Course. Adam, are you amazed how much he's on his own? If there's any president that should not be on their own, it's Joe Biden. You know, Donald Trump was a lone ranger. We got it. People, they just responded to his uh, policies and practices. But Joe Biden clearly needs support. And he's never got anyone around him, even a family member. Yeah, I never really even thought about that. <laughs> and even his dog, even his dog had to leave because it bit somebody, right? <laughs> So the other thing before I, I, I want to get details uh, about your new your new series, but I want you to hear, I, as I think I mentioned to you once before, Bill Maher, I don't really watch much of his show, but I'm just amazed by some of his comments that come out of his monologues because he seems as outraged as I am and you seem to be about what's going on with this woke culture. Here's an example. What word would you like us to use for the plainly insane excesses of the left that are not liberalism? but something completely different. Because you can't have that word liberal from us and think it should cover things like canceling Lincoln and teaching third graders their oppressors. That's all your new thing. A more pertinent question to ask about the word woke might be, why in such a short time has it gone from a rallying cry to a pejorative? If the word only made you think of rational, deserved causes like teaching a less whitewashed version of American history, AOC would still want to own it. But it's a joke, because it makes you think of people who wake up offended and take orders from Twitter, and their oversensitivity has grown tiresome. What what does it say when Tucker Carlson's monologues sound like Bill Moore's? It's incredible, and it is true. It's like what these people do... You know, you you think woke. Okay, woke was good. Everyone was happy with woke 18 months ago. Now it's a pejorative. It's sort of like PETA. You know, if you would have asked me about PETA 10 years ago, I would have went, fine, good. They're doing good work. Now they're a joke. What they do is they take their own movements, they make them farcical, 
and then they become a joke. And that's what woke is now. Woke went from a pat on the back to a pejorative. And it's because they can't stop. That's the whole thing. It's called a progressive movement. It's got the word progress and movement in it. They don't know how to pump the brakes. Do you notice that? Do you notice that no matter what goes wrong, they just keep doubling down? Once in a while, just change course. Well, look, I mean, if you're in Fox, you, you're used to them full uh, guns a-blazing. You Google your name and you say, well, that's pretty crazy. I didn't say that, but I guess they're coming after me again. I'm not asking for sympathy. It's just a fact. But they're starting to shoot their own people, and I think we discussed this on your show. Dave Chappelle, they're trying to cancel. It's not going to work. He keeps selling out. Louis C.K. and Dave Chappelle, both nominated for Grammy Awards. Don't they understand the Hollywood community canceled them? So what's going on here? Are are these two guys, and I'm not saying with Louis C.K., I don't know the details. I actually don't remember. They're all blending together. I'm not excusing any behavior. But is cancel culture getting overwhelmed by people that are too big to be canceled? Well, they've lost their grip because you can't cancel half of America. (laughs) It's not going to work. You know what I mean? It's like there are only so many... PE teachers to X amount of students. The kids are starting to run wild now. They, they always get over their skis. That's what they do. They try to cancel everyone, and eventually they lose people like Bill Maher. Bill Maher is perfectly in line with them and fine with them until they keep going. So, meaning you want to pull down a statue of a Confederate war general, fine. You got Bill Maher all day long. You're calling a a boulder racist in Wisconsin and having to move it off the campus. You've lost Bill Maher and you've lost most of America. That's the problem. They somebody needs to tell them, pump the brakes. You seem insane. You're losing everybody. Yeah, I just saw they're moving Jet. They moved Jefferson yesterday uh, out of City Hall for the first time in over a hundred years. They say, well, he's a slave owner. Uh, he did some good things with a slave owner. He did the good things like help found the country you're in. But let's move him out. And Trump called that one, too. He said, what about Washington and Jefferson? They were major slave owners. Are they next? Everyone said, no, you're crazy. They're, they're going for Jefferson and Washington. Well, you know, they're doing things that sounded farcical. And, you know, they're doing things that, you know, the, ba- the Babylon Bee can't write jokes anymore because – The stuff they're doing is the stuff they used to joke about two years ago is actually happening (laughs) today. If you if you think about it, it this it you know the stuff Trump was saying you know Trump said it Washington Jefferson everyone laughed at him and here they are that's a perfect example of how fast they move in the wrong direction. So you're part of the Daily Wire family now. Tell me about uh, the Truth Yeller. Well, you know. Most comedians do shows on Netflix or they do specials on HBO or Showtime, but Hollywood's become so woke, there's no place for comedians like me in those organizations anymore. So I just took it over to the Daily Wire. And if you think about it, that's what we're talking about. They they can't control the Daily Wire. And they created the Daily Wire with all their not with all their woke nonsense. So now the Daily Wire is getting into comedy. They're getting into sports. So I'm doing six stand-up specials over there. It's a kind of hybrid stand-up special, interview, improv. But um, 
I'm doing comedy on the Daily Wire, and the the first show drops on Black Friday this Friday, uh-huh. and uh, Jay Leno is the first guest. Nice. Uh, you also have Rob Wig- uh, Wiggle, uh, Riggle, and uh, William Shatner, right? Yeah, they're coming on. They're coming on too. The Riggle one is going to drop on Cyber Monday, and so on. So, so Adam, in particular, if I hear this, are you doing stand up and kind of like weaving these guys in, or are you just you're having a comedic conversation with them? I start the show with stand up. And then uh, we'll bring out the guest, and they'll do a few jokes, too. We'll have a conversation. We'll play a game. Got a little variety show to it. Got a little late-night show to it. And at the end, we do this thing where before the show, we hand out a bunch of ping-pong balls. Everyone writes one word on it. We put it into a bingo hopper. And at the end, the guest will pull them out, and whatever the ball says, I'll do a stand-up bit on it. So it's it's got a lot of improv to it, and it's got a, it's got some interview segments to it. It's got a lot of stand up in it as well. Wow, that's great! And it, this is video, and you can get it on audio. Yeah, I don't know if you can get it. I I think it's just video. I think okay. it's filmed. It's like a it just looks like okay. a stand up special. Got it. Uh, fantastic, uh, Adam Crow. That's great. I just was wondering when William Shatner's going to age. Do you think this whole space thing is going to make him look younger? I don't know. I interviewed him on my podcast since he went up there. He's 90 years old. He's fast. He's lucid. He's quick. Like, it, it's it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's 91 now, and he's funny, and he's sharp. And it's, it's, it's weird. I mean, my dad's 90. I got to go over there and, you know, hold a drool, drool cup under him when we try to have a conversation. He can barely remember my kid's name. Ah. Shatner's fast as hell. Right. It's great. It's a little scary, and it's, it's always it's a goal, right? Uh, Adam Carolla, another series rolling out. Uh, thanks so much for joining me, Adam. Best of luck. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. You got him. as at Adam Carolla. So when we come back, uh, we'll finish up to find out if you indeed need to know more and take your calls. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. we got to get macaroni and cheese off the table. It's just cheese and noodles, and it's not that good. Probably one of the most overrated dishes. Get a macaroni and cheese off the table, and it'd be a much better Thanksgiving for everybody in the house. I'm almost 30 now. I'm pretty set in my ways, and it's disgusting. They know not to put it on my plate, or that's fighting words. All right, I'm going to have to fight everybody in the house one by one. And I'm going to wait till they eat their macaroni and cheese, get sluggish, and then I'm going to whoop. Uh, that is Patriot star Matthew Juden uh, ranting about macaroni and cheese. He said he would fight his family if macaroni and cheese nears his Thanksgiving plate. That's one day after Bill Belichick appreciated the existence of potatoes more than he ever did. Uh, his former Tom, uh, former quarterback, Tom Brady. He really got into the details on Thanksgiving, we know, the day before. So that's kind of funny, right? People yeah, so are saying get cheaper stuff because we can't afford it, turkey. Yeah, but here's the thing now. Macaroni and cheese. What right-thinking person does not like macaroni and cheese? At least once in a while. It's an amazing dish when done right. Well, done right, uh, but you have a choice. You put cheese, powdered, which is not real. Then you have... Uh, noodles, which are hard, but you you boil them first. And then the big question, you put butter in there. And the big question, do you add milk? 
That oh, was yeah, the you, big question we had in college. Do you, you put milk you in? you got to put milk in it. And you don't have to have noodles. There's shells. There's different types right. of pasta. There's spirals. There's all kinds of different types of pasta that you can use for it, not just noodles and powdered Done. cheese. The powder you wait for when you're uh Got it. Uh, time to see if we need to know more. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. One of the most likable guys in sports is Dick Vitale. He's got the signature call. You know there's in passion. Every game seems like his first. Former coach uh, turned excellent announcer. One of the staples of ESPN. Well, he's got cancer again. He's 82 years old, yet he was still broadcasting last night with the Gonzaga-UCLA game. Here's Dick Vitale getting a little emotional. I didn't want to cry. I can't believe I'm sitting here. This is really a big thrill for me. I want to thank all you people. Send me so many great messages. I want to thank certainly my family and all the fans. My, you've been unbelievable. On October 12th, Obi, I'll be honest with you, when they walked in and told me I had cancer, they thought it was bile duct cancer, and it was really going to be a serious surgery and all. I never dreamt at 82 that I'll ever be on courtside again, but to be here today, I'm sorry. I've been so emotional. So it was. Uh, I was watching some of the game. You know, obviously he strained a little with his voice, but he's going through a lot. But he'll fight through it. He's a fighter. He's come back before. Right. Uh, he says, uh, "I know that you would not uh, would not miss this." Uh, according to his uh, broadcast partner, Dave O'Brien, all of this is aware that Dick is battling cancer. We went on to say, "The fact that you've made it out to Las Vegas for a game that I know you had circled for a long, long time is just awesome." And it was Gonzaga number one against UCLA number two. Next, General Hospital star Stephen Burton confirms he's fired because he wouldn't get the vaccine. It's about personal freedom, he says. Cut 30. I wanted you to hear it from me personally. Uh, Unfortunately, General Hospital has let me go uh, because of the vaccine mandate. I did apply for my medical and religious exemptions, and um, both of those were denied, which, you know, uh, hurts. But this is also about personal freedom. To me, uh, I don't think anybody should lose their livelihood over this. But they have. You have you have cops, firefighters, nurses, doctors, hospital workers. If the president had his way, private companies with over a hundred people in them. So Burton's joined General Hospital in 1992. He maintained he doesn't agree with ABC's choice to institute a mandate with other soap opera dramas, competing networks, including uh, Days of Our Lives, Young and Restless, Bold and Beautiful, have yet to install the such protocols. And rely on people to social distance at the moment. I mean, my, my goodness, just do a test every day. What's the big deal? You got a huge thing. budget. He, he tested positive in August, which means he should have natural immunity Absolutely. at this point. It's only a couple of months ago. It's such a joke. I, I actually did not know it was still on. Is It's still on? I, they, did yeah, they just I, stream I, it? I guess. I, this is, I'm way out of the loop on this one. This is probably where, what Allison Eric, you watch a lot of soap operas during the day? All the time. Right. And yeah, do you, he, what he could you tell me about General Hospital? Like, what are they up to now? It's... It's been on for a long time. Right. And what, what, in the last episode that you saw, who was in it? Um, Luke? Luke sure. and Laura? Luke was there. Mary right. was there. Yeah, I think right now he's the senior surgeon. Who's your now, favorite, uh, uh, Eric, who's your favorite <laughs> doctor and nurse on the show? Uh, the blonde one? Probably. Next. Jeff Bezos, uh, a space-owned space exploration company, Blue Origin, on Tuesday. Uh, got an, uh, another high-profile Flyer, astronaut, Michael Strahan. Uh, it'll be December 9th. Two honorary guests will be there, which means anyone can do it. 
Strahan's in there. Laura Shepard Churchley. I don't know who that is. The eldest daughter of Alan Shepard. Okay, that's cool. Uh, four paying customers, a space exploration company, Voyager Space Holders CEO Dylan, uh, Dylan Taylor, uh, Evan Dick, and uh, Best Ventures founder, uh, ba- I'm sure ba- Best Ventures founder, uh, Lane Bass, uh, Cameron Bass, uh, the father-son duo will become the first parent-son. So listen, now he's making a lot of money. Soon space travel is going to be commonplace. Are you gonna go? I'm going to go on a rocket this summer instead of going on a cruise to Europe. So when your family wants to go, say, hey, where are we going, to Europe? You're like, oh, you guys can go. I'll be can't in space. Afford, yeah, can't afford all of you to go, just me. I need to touch. I need to get through the ozone layer, look down, and see if we're ruining the earth. Did you buy me a ticket yet? I'm thinking about it. What, what, okay. I was going to get you just a pro flowers basket because they okay. have food options. That or, works, too. That's nice. <laughs> Blue Origin. Right, but you're always watching your soap operas, Eric. I can't, you would never, you'd miss Earth too much. Keep it here. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.